It's a great day in the Lord. And there is much to be thankful for. And one of the most important things for us to be thankful for is the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus loves us more than we can quantify and even put into words. And that's something that I want to make sure that we all understand as we get into the Word today, especially as we continue in the book of John in our study in John chapter 17. John chapter 17 is a uh, special chapter because it's a chapter that really does reflect, even, even in the prayer that Jesus has to the Lord, it reflects the love that he has for us. And it is something that we, we need to truly see. He is reflecting the love of uh, what he loves. He loves his people. He's reflecting the love of God uh, to his people. He is referring specifically in his prayer to the disciples in this particular section that we're going to be looking at. But in this section, uh, I'm going to trust you're going to hear and recognize the very points that Jesus is making uh, to all of us. And it is uh, it's profound to do so. We, the one thing that seems to be a constant as we get older, we hear about uh, people who are here one day and gone the next. And it's, it's tough sometimes to reckon with those things and reconcile them. But we know that is a point of life. But what I want you to understand, every day that we get closer, every day that we goes by, we get closer to, A, when we leave here, but we also get closer to when Jesus returns. And so it's very important for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to be conscious of this love that God has for us and to exercise the one thing that you can do without leaving your seat or leaving your seat or at the very least you can get on your knees and do it but you can pray and prayer is so important in this time and this this age that we're living in prayer is something that god loves us to do he responds to it he answers it we have to make sure that we don't put conditions on god's answers amen where we're looking for a certain timing or an answer to prayer but as long as we're praying we're in fellowship with him And as we are in fellowship with him, of course, the first thing we do as we pray is we ask for him to forgive our sins because it's something we need to do. But that's how we guarantee we have fellowship with him. We're in prayer. He hears us. He listens. He responds. He loves us. He wants us to pray. And he wants us to come to him and seek him. And I mentioned getting on your knees because... That's some of those, sometimes that's one of those things that you just really do want to do because you want to humbly submit. You want to live a lifestyle where you're dying to self and living for Christ. So I hope that you can appreciate that. And as we get into the Word today, I'm going to ask you to now join me in prayer as we prepare for today's lesson. And that the Holy Spirit prevails in speaking. That's what we're looking to accomplish. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are just so thankful to be here this morning where we truly do want to hear you speak to us. We thank you for how you remind us in your word about your love for us. We thank you for how you were sent, Lord, uh, by God to come here to this earth for the purpose of giving of yourself so that the world would be saved. And Lord, for those people that we know who do not have that relationship, that saving relationship with you, 
We pray, Lord, that they recognize your presence through the power of the Spirit, that they respond, and that they acknowledge and accept what needs to be done. But we thank you, Lord, for reminding us of the love you have for us as well, too. For those of us who do know you, who are familiar with you, Lord, as we look in the passages today, may we see those things and see what the Lord wants us to experience as we get to know him, get to know you, excuse me, more and more. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 17. We are continuing in John chapter 17. We're going to be starting at verse 11, and we're going to cover verses 11 through 19. We're taking really small sections of this chapter just to make sure that we get deeper into the points being raised and being made uh, about Jesus' prayer and who he's praying for. And, and frankly, he's praying for not just his disciples here, but he's praying for all of us. And this is a very important prayer, too, for the disciples, because you have to understand something. They still were in the formulation of learning more about who Jesus truly was, and they really wouldn't have that greater understanding of who Jesus was until he rose from the dead and he came back. They had to see him come back. They saw him at one point. He died, went to the, went to the tomb rose again the third day. He, they had to see him and then experience him and have the power of the Holy Spirit given to them to be able to carry out the mission that Jesus had. You understand that that is how we are successful in carrying out our mission for God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had a much more important role than we ever realize until we look at his word and see that Jesus himself in his human form, when he gave up much of his own glory for, you know, what he was trying to accomplish on the cross, the Holy Spirit had to give him the ability to perform the miracles. God gave him that ability through the power of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a necessity for anyone who wants to carry on the mission of Jesus Christ. In our flesh, we are incapable of doing it, and we are inadequate in doing it. It has to be the Spirit. So Jesus is speaking. Let's read the passage. John chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along in your version. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world. As he is praying about the disciples. But I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Verse 12. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. Verse 14. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. 
and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. Okay, that's John chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And again, this is the prayer that Jesus is giving about the disciples. Now, I want you to take something out of this passage here. First of all, please personalize this and and act as if he is speaking directly to you. Because the prayer that he is giving to his disciples is essentially the same prayer for all of us who do what? Carry on the Great Commission. You have to do the same things that the disciples have been doing. You are going to be carrying on the Great Commission. The command in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. You're carrying on the Great Commission, making disciples of all nations. And that's what we need to be doing here, too. And when we say all nations, we recognize, of course, that refers to the world, but we also recognize that this this could be your next-door neighbor. We're taught to love our neighbors as ourselves. Best example I can come up with about loving your neighbor as yourself, because if you read it and look at it in 1 Samuel, it's the relationship that David had with Jonathan. Jonathan loved David as himself. That's what it actually says in the passages when you read it more than once. He had a love that was much more profound and much more, you know, not a buddy-buddy type of love. I'm talking about he really loved this person very much and they, you know, swore oaths to each other basically to look after each other. Well, that's the way we should be looking at our own neighbors. And understand something, it's about the love of Christ that should come through. The love of Christ has to be shown to our neighbors, the people that we live with, the people that we are right, are right in our neighborhood. Your great commission involves the work in your own neighborhood. I was at a conference, well, not a conference, a, 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 a workshop yesterday, and we have to understand that we may not, we may not live by the church, but your great commission is carried out wherever you live. Some of us do live close to the church. Some of us live about a half hour away. But wherever you live, that's where the Great Commission takes place. That's where the love of Christ has to be shown to other people. If you're still working, if you're still employed, you have a Great Commission that's being taking place, is taking place wherever you are in the workplace. And as a practical matter, we probably don't teach that as much as we should. Because Great Commission work is not necessarily being done inside the church where we have most of the people there who are believers already. They already know who Jesus is, but there are a lot of people who are outside the church that need to hear about what it is to be a good neighbor. And Jesus is praying for these disciples specifically for a couple of things recognizing first of all go back to verse 11 John chapter 17 now I am departing from the world they are staying in this world but I am coming to you Holy Father you have given me your name now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are well, let's talk about the world first what is the world what is the definition of the world take a look at First John chapter 2 1 John chapter 2. Oh, you know what? I got it right here. 1 John 2. Let's look at verse 16. 
Now, if you're looking at verse 16, you can see right above it in verse 15 about not loving the world or the things of the world because it tells you specifically why it's, it's polluting. The world is a polluting experience. It says in verse 16, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And we need to see this is the world that we live in. We, we, we already know the world that we live in. Amen? We're surrounded by people who make it a point to live lustfully and pridefully in different ways. And it's the epitome of what the enemy represents. What, what does Satan represent? Satan represents pridefulness, arrogance, Satan lies to get over. Not, there's no truth in him. It says that in John 8:44, He is a liar and the father of liars. Those are Jesus' own words about the enemy, Satan. A liar and the father of liars. We need to stop listening to what Satan is telling us. And I'll just share this with you very briefly, not to make a big to-do about it, but it's the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that people in the faith have to make sure that they are doing everything they can to truly die to self and live for Christ. People who have been in authority in the churches, people who have been pastors have been subject to pornography issues. And essentially the solution is stop. Stop. Turn away from it. Turn away from evil. We, we cannot allow Satan to trick us, get us into doing something that is fleshly, pulling yourself away from the Lord. We have to stop. It's a choice you have to make. You have to decide you want to do it. Amen? You got to decide you want to do it. And Jesus is telling us here that the world is a polluting world. It's a world that pushes you away from who Jesus is. It's a world that essentially endorses hating Christians and Jesus, of course. We're all lumped in together. But we know where we are. And he is saying that all that is in the world is not of the Father. It does not come from him. It does not belong to him. It has nothing to do with him. And he's not talking about the world itself, the creation of the world. He's talking about the influence of Satan. The influence of Satan. We are in a fallen world. We say that all the time. So we want to make sure that we recognize that he is not a, this, this world is not of him we talk about what's taking place in the world today. And the other thing we want to emphasize here too, in the end, bottom part of verse 11 in, in John 17, Holy Father, you have given me your names. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. United as far as who? United as far as the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We are, he's referring to, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. And he wants that union to be included. He includes us with them because we have, we're in the family of God because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He wants us to experience His unity. And that's what we have to recognize here. He wants us to be kept. He wants us to be kept because we have the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit unifies us with the Father. Unifies us with Jesus Christ. He also wants us to be one. He wants us to pray for the unity of other believers as well too. If we are united with Christ because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, others who have the indwelling Holy Spirit are also unified with Christ and we need to be praying for one another, praying for others. And that's how we are to live. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you remember, that's in, where is that at? That's in Matthew 22, right? And, and we, you can go to it yourself, verses 37 to 40. But he was answering a question. One of the Pharisees tried to trick him and see if he could come up and say something. And, you know, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength is the essence of being in unity with the Father and the Son and loving your neighbor as yourself. That essentially wraps up this entire Bible. That's what this whole Bible talks about. Loving God... Because God loves you and loving others. And that's what he's praying for for his disciples, but he's praying the same prayer for us. This is how we are to act. We can't take on the character of the world or the tendencies of the world and slough things off. I don't care about that, brother. That dude, I don't want to have anything to do with him. You know, we can't say those things anymore. We shouldn't say those things anymore. And we're going to get to a very important word as we get further down in the passage about how we learn this over time that we start shedding off those old worldly tendencies that we had when we were growing up and now we're talking about speaking in a manner that Jesus would have us to speak where he sanctifies us with his presence through the Spirit. But we'll get to that. Let's go back to verse 12. So he's telling us to be united in harmony with him. He's talking about the disciples, of course, but he's also telling us the same thing. Verse 12, During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. So we know that that refers to Judas Iscariot. And we, I want you to see something that's a prophetic statement as well, too. Go to... Psalm 41. Psalm 41. And we need to understand that when Jesus united himself with the twelve disciples, Judas is one of them here, but I want you to see something in, in Psalm 41 verse Psalm 41, not Psalm 40. Psalm 41, verse 9. Verse 9. Even my friend in whom I trusted, one who ate my bread, has raised his heel against me. And so, who is he really referring to here in this prophetic statement? Judas. He's referring to Judas. 
And, but he said his friend, everybody. He's calling Judas his friend. Well, you don't just throw a name like friend around lightly. And you don't do it sarcastically. He really, Judas really was his friend. But, of course, Jesus knew that he would be betrayed. His close friend, by the way. His close friend. The issue with Judas, and let's never forget this, everybody. Salvation requires repentance of your sin. Salvation requires repentance of your sin. You have to say that you need Jesus as a Savior to take away the sin that has tarnished you and doesn't allow you to have fellowship with God. Judas never sought forgiveness. Never sought repentance. That automatically disqualified him from having that relationship because he never asked for forgiveness. We have a lot of people who claim to know Jesus and say they know who Jesus is, but they've never asked for Jesus to forgive their sin. They've never asked for Jesus to come into their hearts. They've never done... They know who Jesus is. And we have to continue to emphasize the importance of making sure that you understand when you're counseling someone or talking to someone, when you're discipling someone for the purpose of them getting saved, that you've got to put that in there. You've got to believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord. And so when you believe that, that means you need to come to a saving knowledge of Him. You need to understand, I need Jesus to take away my sins. I need Jesus. Even the thief on the cross, everybody, recognized that he was a sinner, recognized that he had done lived a lifetime of sinful behavior and recognized who Jesus was right there on the cross. Judas couldn't do that. Judas didn't do that. So we want to make sure that we understand that for what it truly is. Repentance must be in the mix when it comes to acknowledging Jesus as Lord. And living your life in such a manner that way as well, too. Because guess what we have to do as people who are believers? Guess what we have to do? We still have to repent from our sin. We still have to turn from our sin because we are incapable in our flesh of living in a godly manner without the power of the Holy Spirit in doing so. Let's go to verse 13. John 17, verse 13. I want you to see this, everybody. Look very carefully. Now I am coming to you. This is Jesus saying this to the Father. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. Living a life as a believer in Jesus Christ is not supposed to be like you're sacrificing yourself and always throwing ash cloth on yourself and, and you know hiding away and lamenting and it's supposed to be a life of joy and when we say joy we're talking about joy that allows you to be able to even bear with those difficult things that happen in life what did we just get through saying 
the reality for many of us now in this lifetime is that people around us are going to be here one day, gone the next. They're going to be, we're going to be mourning. We're going to be celebrating life, doing those things, right? That's taking place right now for a lot of people. Because it happens every day. People die every day. But how do we experience joy in the midst of that? It's got to be through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, his presence in our lives is what helps us to be able to bear with and deal with those moments that are tough. I have to say, when, when my lovely bride and I and, and our family and, and those of you online, you know who I'm referring to, uh, when our uncle passed away, we went to a funeral knowing that he knew the Lord. So that was a celebration for him and his home going. And yeah, we didn't like the fact that the person passed away, but we were able to celebrate knowing what the end result was going to be. No more crying, no more suffering, no more pain. That's joy. And we can experience this joy here if we believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus. When we have those moments, even when we read about them in the Psalms, about David being depressed, he still was able to find joy in the midst of basically knowing that he was a marked man. Saul wanted to kill him at any opportunity and would occasionally send out 3,000 troops to go after him and his 600. So he was always outnumbered by five times the number of people. But somehow David managed in his penning and writings, he was able to find joy because of his relationship with God. His relationship with God. He beseeched God to protect him, help him along, and we have the same ability to do that very thing as well. Joy. He wants us to be joyful. Go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We're going to go back a couple of chapters. John 15 verse 11. Verse 11, John chapter 15. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Flip over to John 16:24. When you see repetition in scripture, in my opinion, it gives emphasis to the topic. You see repetition in Scripture, it gives emphasis. Look what it says in verse 24, John chapter 16. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Joy may be complete, exactly verbatim. Same statement. We're not just looking for joy, but we're looking for the complete joy that Jesus provides in our lives. Complete joy. 
Abundant joy is also another word that's being used in the New Living Translation. I was reading from the Christian Standard Bible. But abundant joy. That's what we are looking for. And Jesus is the source of all of our joy. When we experience God's protection, we experience his victory. We already know that Jesus has the victory over death and sin. Who has to show us this though? The Spirit. Has to convince us of this. And show us. We're here temporarily. We're here as placeholders on earth. But there's going to come a point where we won't be here anymore. And that will be our complete joy when we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please pray for people that you know who do not know Jesus because they will not have that. Someone mentioned something to the effect that, yeah, when, when people die and they don't, they die without the Lord. They'll be in torment, but they'll recognize that Jesus is worthy of praise. I'm like saying, I don't know how you're going to be praising anything when you're in torment, but I guess at the end of the day you recognize where you could have been and you should have been, but you chose not to. All right, I'm going to rabbit hole that. Put that away. Let's go back to John 17, verse 14. Because <laughs> that, that's just another conversation altogether. Amen. Amen. Verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. The world hates Christians. The world hates Christian values. Do you understand the values of good and what's proper and what's polite? The world doesn't want to do any of that. The world wants to live in such a manner where we recognize that they want to do everything opposite of what Jesus teaches. They want to live according to what the world dictates, what Satan dictates. And Christians are living accusations against the world's immorality. Absolutely true. The world wants to live immorally. Um, let's continue. Let's go down to verse 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word which is truth. We become holy and pure through the believing and obeying of the Word of God, our sword, the Word of God. The Word of God is what gives us what we need to be successful in life. Let's take a look at Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Thank you for all the amens online, too. The brother can need all the help. brother needs all the help he can get. Hebrews 4, verse 12. <laughs> for the Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, 
joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Where would we be without the Word of God? Absolutely lost. That's right. The Word of God is necessary for every believer. That's why we emphasize so often being this Bible reading plan, reading um, the two-year Bible plan. That's our emphasis for our church, just to make sure you stay successful and stay consistent in the Word. Um, and it's well worth the time that you spend. We're always going to emphasize that. And in order for the Word of God to be effective, of course, you already have to accept the fact that Jesus gave him himself. Uh, flip over to Hebrews 7, and he died on the cross for us. Hebrews 7, verses 26 and 27. Because we recognize who Jesus is. Jesus is not just some prophet who lived in our life. He is not just a priest, but our high priest, as it says in verse 26, for this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day, as high priests do, first for their own sins, then for those of the people. He did this once for all time when he offered himself. In other words, he doesn't have to be like the priests of old in the Old Testament where he has to offer sacrifices, um, for example, the Day of Atonement one day a year for the people of Israel, a sacrifice for the atonement and sin. No, he is our all-time, once-in-a-lifetime, only-need-him-one-time sacrifice for all sin. And we're thankful for that. And we have to believe that 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 is who he is. And this truth that we just expressed, we want to make sure that we are pointing out and recognizing that we need to have this sometimes given to us over and over again because we need to be renewed in Christ. We need to remember, even though we stumble and fall, because he forgives us, we are renewed in Jesus Christ. He is the one that gives us what we need to know. And we also need to recognize that I read in the New Living Translation this, Make them holy by your truth. Uh, another passage in, in the King James says, Sanctify them through your, thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them. Teach them. Help them grow. Encourage them. Build them up. Strengthen them. Pour in more knowledge so that they will have your wisdom. That's what Jesus is praying for here, not just for the disciples, but for all of us. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Holy Spirit teaches us. Do you know more now, today, than you used to know, believers? Amen? That's the sanctification power. That's what God is doing for you. He's giving you what you need to know at the time when you need to know it. Amen. That's what he's doing. In verse 18, back to John 17, verse 18. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Jesus didn't ask God to take believers out of the world, but instead to use them in the world, right here. 
He wants us to be present in this world. Yes, this world is definitely ugh, not much good about it. Amen? But guess what He wants us to do? We, he wants us to carry out His will, His mission. He loves everyone. Even those who are acting a fool. He loves everyone. He wants everyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here. We're here to convey God's truth wherever we go. In our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. And yeah, in the church too, for those who don't know Jesus. But we need to be active when we go on vacation. Amen? Wherever we go, we're still living as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not trying to get out of the world. We're not trying to live as hermits. We're not locking ourselves in the door. What did the disciples do when the heat got turned up after um, Jesus went to the cross? They went and hid. They were hiding in a room somewhere. They didn't want the Jews to come after them because they knew, the Jews knew who they were, and if they had been seen, they would have came after them. But they were afraid. But that's not how he wants us to live. Jesus does not want us to live that way. He wants us out. Go out. Go. Just as Jesus was sent to us, as we see in John 3.17. He was sent to us. He's sending us into the world as well, too. He's sending us out. We're not to sit still. We're not to stay in our rooms. We're not to stay at home. Yeah, the bed does get kind of comfortable, you know, after a while, right? You know, especially when it starts getting cold outside. But at the end of the day, you got to get up eventually. <laughs> you have to be able to go out into the world and, and speak the truth about what the Lord has done. And we need to make sure that we are not avoiding non-Christians also. Don't avoid them. Be friendly. Talk to them. Be the, go to Matthew 5. Last one. Matthew 5. Let's look at verses 13 through 16. This is what we are to do. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. I recall this was a seminar topic many, many moons ago. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And we will be wrapping it up after this. Verse 13, Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket but rather on a lampstand and gives light. It gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Amen and amen and amen. That's what we are to do. We are to shine the light of Christ. We are to be a reflection of the light of Christ wherever we go. And that's because He loves us. He has given us this responsibility. It's ultimately it's a responsibility. This responsibility to go into the world 
and be the light of the world. Be the salt of the earth. The seasoning. Well, I hope you got something out of this today. This prayer that Jesus has is a reflection of the love of his people. He loves us. He wants to see us succeed. He wants us to recognize this love and that we are to live and be in his word, believe and trust in him in all that we do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your teaching and your presence. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing to help us along. Even help me along, Lord. And we thank you for being in the midst of a body of believers who truly do love you and want to be successful because of their relationship with you. But not because they want to see success, but they want to give you glory. Lord, may we glorify you in all that we do. Because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. You are worthy of our praise. We thank you for your teaching. Bless us and keep us, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for this edition of Livestream Sunday School. We appreciate you being here and hanging with us for a little bit longer than normal. Uh, take care of yourselves. Stay tuned online in the timeline here for our live church service. We appreciate you being here. God bless you. Take care of yourself, and we'll see you next time.